Hi, I'm Joe Madden, and you are listening to Halfway Around the Halo. Fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariner racing back to the track. Hello and welcome to another episode of Halfway Around the Halo, a UK Angels podcast. I believe this is season three, episode five now, as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. Been some big news in the Angels world this week with Shohei Atani once again showing why he is the leading candidate for the MVP in the American League this year, hitting another ball over the batter's eye, three home runs in a week. What a man. And speaking of great men, of course, I'm joined by Dave Evans. Dave, how are you this evening? Um, good, thanks, Nick. It's another week in the books and another week closer to uh, some more regular season Angels baseball. And the, the excitement and anticipation levels are just on the rise at the moment. I cannot wait. How are you? Are you still watching spring games? <laughs> Here and there, yeah, sadly. <laughs> yeah. But not, not much socialising between me and the wife at the moment. I'm in the back room watching it. <laughs> and, Dave, yeah. That's a rookie mistake because you need to be saving up the... Uh, non-social non-sociable times for the uh, the main event even yeah. if it is at 3 a.m yeah well I, rest assured there'll be no fighting over the tv at 3 a.m so that'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> she'll be fast asleep looking at me what am i doing so yeah absolutely fine but buzzing and what a great week it's been yeah absolutely so show atani <laughs> should we just talk about him for a little bit i mean like, how excited are we allowed to get i can't help it I, it's impossible like yesterday I think I'll probably come back to haunt me because yesterday I put someone on Twitter basically how much I love this team and what a great season in Capitals it's going to be. Well, obviously, yeah. it's probably not. And by mid-May, this is going to come back and, and bite me. But how can you not be excited? Well, mid-May would be a start, wouldn't it? So that'd be quite good to still be with any sort of chances. No, I mean, but all the disclaimers and all the hashtags in the world you've got to have a bit of fun with that as well I mean I saw it obviously come up on Twitter a little just before we came on but you know Atani you know home homering off a Cy Young winner striking out an AO MVP MVP I mean you don't get better than that and you know he's not doing that against single A double A players who are filling up some innings he's doing it against you know bona fide studs so um yeah, if he if he keeps going in that direction, it, it could be so much fun. And a little bit of spring training stats, which don't matter, but he does lead average on-base slugging OPS, most hits, most RBIs, most home runs. That's a Tony, but a Tony baby. Is that good? I'll say that's not bad at the moment. Oh dear, don't, don't. You're getting me all riled up, all turned on on this show, and that's not what it's about. But spring training doesn't matter. Hashtag. Yeah, it matters for showtime. I can tell you that right now. Anything goes. Anything goes with the Tani. So Sorry. other than our excitement over Shohei, which we could probably have an hour show just gushing over him back and forth, what else <laughs> have you been concerned about or pleased with in the Angels world this year? One of them I thought we saw today, Felix Pena going on the uh, IL for a couple of weeks. Doesn't look like he's going to be ready for opening day, which I think is quite a big blow to our opening day bullpen. That guy was definitely slotted in for some long relief work, and we know how good he can be in that. 
Yeah, so um, I think I've seen, what, two to four weeks, which is yeah. right in the ballpark, literally. So, um, you know, you, you don't want to rush that sort of injury as well. <laughs> Legs are pretty important when you're a pitcher. So, you know, getting back healthy, getting back right. But no, that is certainly a little blow uh, just before the season starts. Um, I remember one of my things for the week last week was health. That's, uh, that's come and kicked me in the backside uh, this week. So if you ask me the same question, I won't be looking for health this week. Um, yeah, I blame you for that then. Sorry, Felix. <laughs> yeah. That one's on Dave. Sorry, Felix. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it would have been a big piece. But, you know, this is when others have to step up. You're not going to rely on one reliever all year, are you? Yeah, you're not. I just saw a piece from uh, our friends of Batflip for Nerds as well, from Gav there, talking about Joe Adele's spring. And we spoke about it briefly, I think, last week or two weeks ago. That he's actually been like he's been looking good. It was very early days, I think, when we discussed it, but he's he was actually drawing walks. But the yeah. power's been there as well. And you know, it's promising signs. I think it's six walks to five strikeouts. It's the sort of thing we're gonna need to see from Adele, isn't it? If you throw in the power as well. Yeah, I mean we, we spoke about it, I think it was last week. And it was the last pod just before his crushing home run as well that he hit. Was it? I can't remember which what side of that was on. But no, his batting is, you know, his hitting is certainly trending in the right direction of what you want it to be. We all know where the problems lie. And when I say the word problems, you know, it wasn't a Rosario problem from Cleveland yesterday. That was a shocker, wasn't it? But um, no, he does need to tidy up some of his defence in the field. So, no, but... I think bat- that was just a great bit of play by Justin Upton, actually. Just drew him into the mistake, drew him into the error. Yeah, that's which what one? experience. That's what experience does for a veteran like that. They know. I felt bad for him. That, there was three errors on him there. Oh, horrible! Absolutely. Yeah, you horrible. got a feel for him. I saw uh, you touched on Bieber giving up that huge home to Tani, but you look at his line yesterday. Obviously, we hit some hard balls against him, but conceded nine runs and only one of them was earned. I know. <laughs> Right. They've obviously been watching British baseball because that's just exactly what it's like as a pitcher for our guys. Especially when you're catching all those pass balls. Yeah, uh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> so the we actually. Viewers have... can't see me right now, swearing at Nick online. Now, behave yourself. <laughs> so we've actually got a very exciting guest on again today. So the listeners don't have to just hear us. Uh, how excited are you to hear this guy? Oh, it's going to be a great conversation. I am looking forward to this one. Excellent. So just before we get into that chat, I usually do this little bit at the end, but I'm going to put it in at the start for those of you that don't ever quite make it to the end. Obviously, we really appreciate you listening, really appreciate the support. Whatever platform you listen to us on, we'd really appreciate it if you go and like us, if you go and rate us, subscribe. Uh, It would mean a lot to us just to keep improving the content we're producing for you and, uh, and and just showing some appreciation to us, I guess, because we know it's going to be a long old slog and a long season ahead. And the sleep we're getting now is just going to be cut in half. Well, for me anyway, Dave's a bit of a lightweight. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening as ever. And please do go and like us and rate us and subscribe and just support the pod. Thanks. But without further ado, here is our chat with the new Angels play-by-play announcer, Darren Sutton. So as I teased you earlier, we are absolutely delighted to be joined by one part of the Angels' new broadcast team, play-by-play announcer, Darren Sutton. Darren, how are you this evening? I'm excited. I, I really appreciate you guys letting me hang out with you. Um, 
uh, as I, as I told you before, my stepdaughter, Lexi is, uh, you know, I can't even say if she's a bigger fan already of you guys and being an Angels fan. So um, she knows the Angels are near Disneyland, which excites her. But she's a huge fan of, of your passion for the sport. She finds it intriguing. She's a 33 ACT super intellect. So uh, <laughs> she loves the fact that you guys are reaching out across the pond, if you will. Oh, that's incredible. And I think Disneyland probably played a part in my love of the Angels as well. It's what, it's what got me to Anaheim the first time, but it's not what keeps me coming back. And that's the Angels. Uh, where where are you currently now? I'm in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I'll be uh, seasonally relocating. This happens so late in the day as far as, you know, the calendar goes that we won't do like a full relocate. We'll kind of assess at the end of the season um, how we want to handle our lives going forward. But was uh, glad to, to find a, a temp place for six months. I already have my apartment. Um, you know, family's going to be in and out. Look, you know as well as I, you have a place in Southern California by the beach and by Disneyland, you're not going to be lonely. So people are going to be coming out all the time. So uh, here in Scottsdale, I'm not far from the Angels camp, probably 15 minutes, but uh, I make my home for now in Scottsdale. Have you, have you been up to the camp? Recently? I have not yet. That's a great question. I got the job and I was in the middle of a long road trip for Perfect Game, traveling around with uh, a lot of our youth baseball and amateur baseball content and just returned home a couple of days ago. Um, I'm going to three games in the next five days, um, there's not a lot we can do as far as getting close to the players. Um, you know, can reach out to Joe via Zoom or text. Madden um, can reach out to Perry, same way, plan on doing that. You know, the players, you just kind of listen and, and, and hop in when they when they have the public Zooms. You can ask for a couple of one-on-ones, which I'm going to do. I do miss it. This is a, one more COVID year, so it, it is what it is, right? You just are around it. But you know, I've been over a bunch of times throughout my life going over there. It's super close. And uh, then I'll call a couple of games next week with uh, with Mark Gubasa. It'll be next Tuesday and Thursday spring games. But with the world of technology and COVID, even though I could you know, really get on my bike and get down there in about an hour, I'm going to fly to California and sit in the studio and call the games and then fly back home. So uh, that's how it's going to go next week. <laughs> that's awesome, though. Getting the opportunity to do a couple of spring games with Gooby and just probably get into it again before the uh, the main event starts. You mentioned uh, Joe Madden there as well. I don't know if you realize we actually got Joe Madden on the show about a month ago now. Uh, he's also very supportive of what we're trying to do over here, uh, trying to grow the Angels brand and the game of baseball. And we had an amazing chat with Joe. And I think listening to you previously, you, you know Joe fairly well from your past. Uh, tell me about, about that relationship. I do. He was, I was a baby announcer, you know, in 2000 and 2001 and uh, late 20s, early 30s. And, you know, he's still a young, older guy. Right. So but he was a couple of years my senior back then. But I, what I always remember about Joe, he was always our go to interview. When you're doing radio, um, you have to have somebody every day. There's no OK, well, we'll pass it there. You have to have interviews every day. And he was our guy. And I'm glad he was our guy because as the bench coach back then, because you know, that's when I started to understand advanced thinking. Look, I had baseball in my blood, but I wasn't an advanced baseball thinker. Nothing wrong with that. But Joe opened my mind to that. Now, I cannot say honestly that it plugged into my broadcast in the years that followed deeply. It really didn't. I was more that old curmudgeon that, you know, hey, you know, wear plain shoes when you're a rookie and you get to the big leagues and, you know, uh, you know, batting average home run RBIs. It, it kind of gives me a headache to think about it. But that's who I was. 
And I really feel like my time away from the game and then my true investment in the future of the game, being around the top prospects the last six years, and then being close with groups like TrackMan and Advanced Human Metrics. And all of a sudden, my mind's boom, blew open. And wear colored spikes if you want to have fun. And the game is, 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 it a, is a fun young person's game. Um, I've evolved in that way. And that's Joe kind of started that evolution. But then being around, you know, young players the last six years. But Joe was one of the first guys I reached out to with the text when I found out this job was available. Didn't know what he could do. But I figured I can't be shy. I want this job really, really bad. Um, so even if you offend someone who you're maybe stepping over the lines, I was very respectful. But he offered his assistance and he said he'd be glad to help. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that. That's great to hear. And I, I think we're all quite excited as well to hear an Angels fan in the booth. I mean, I, I was listening to you and just your passion for the Angels and your fandom, which you said has just grown since you've been out of out of the majors and out of the booth in that sense. Do you want to just tell me about your fandom, where it all started and, and how it's all grown? Yeah, it started as a ballplayer's kid. I mean, you know, I was like, I can't say I was a Dodgers fan or an A's or, you know, I loved the Brewers when my father pitched for the Brewers. They were fun, right? They were a bunch of beer drinking, home run hitting cool guys. And who wouldn't as a 14, 13 year old think that's cool. But I understood because I wanted to be a baseball player once I was in high school. And I thought maybe I could do um, what those guys were doing that my father did. And that's when I got to, to know baseball closely and intimately was that age. And my father was an angel then. And that organization, albeit, you know, different leaders now, allowed me to be around. They allowed me to, you know, we're connecting right now virtually. They allowed me to connect in person. They allowed me to ask questions. Marcel Latchman is in camp right now helping out, you know, because you're a pitcher coach short. So you have a guy like Marcel Latchman work with Matt Wise and the guys. Marcel Latchman taught me how to have a comfortable arm angle um, because he was my father's pitching coach in the 80s. So I became a fan then when I left, you know, playing in the Angels. Uh, you know, I, I went to college, signed, signed with the Angels, played with the Angels. That even deepened the fandom for the team. They released me, which they should have. I was terrible. But um, I, I really just started to love the Angels, who they were. I was an OC kid, even though I was an L.A. born kid. I was an OC kid. I went to high school in the OC. I went to UC Irvine for one year. And just the Angels felt natural to me and felt comfortable. Albeit Dodger Stadium is an amazing place. The Angels were and still are my team. And gosh, then I got a chance after working at CNN and in the minor leagues for years to get my first big league radio job with the Angels. And it just deepened. And then again, that time away from the Angels and then away from baseball is when it really hit home. Okay. I'm probably going to never be a big league announcer again. That's okay. I've loved the journey. I love my job now. I'm an Angels fan. That's who I am. I love the Angels. Me and my buddies hop on text. We lament. We got bitter when it was time to get bitter. We got ticked off when it was time to get ticked off. We laughed and had joy when there was time. And, you know, we drooled over Mike Trout and still do like, like everybody else does. And, and um, so for me, you know, it, I've never actually called games when I've been a true fan, like a hardcore fan of a team. I don't count my first time through because I was a baby and nervous and just trying to find my way and a new dad and all those things that go into life. Um, the games, the world slowed down a little bit for me now. So I actually get to know what it's like to be a fan behind a microphone. I got to be careful with that. I got to be careful with that, but uh, it's going to be fun to do that. Yeah. You mentioned you got to be careful. I know there are certain people that watch games that 
complain about homerism, don't they? And and don't like it and just want a, a ball game called fairly. And I think that's totally right. And I do think, as Dave will come on to, we have been spoiled over the last decade plus with Victor and Gooby, who are, for our money, just top draw announcers. And I think for, for us, Dave and I personally, and fans over here in the UK, whilst those in the OC and Angels fans in California have a connection with the broadcast team, ours is stronger because you are the guys we listen to every single night from 7,000, 8,000 miles away. You are who we watch and listen to the Angels through. So I, I guess for us, it is so important to have this connection with you. And it's why we were so glad to have you on uh, on the show. Um, going on to the role then with uh, Matt Vasgersian and Jose Mota and obviously Gooby, how, how do you env envision the split? How has this sort of been spoken about so far internally? Yeah, they've been great. I mean, we don't know a lot past April. Um, I, I envision by the end of the year, Matt and I calling about the same amount of games. Um, Matt would be, you know, if there's a depth chart, he would be, uh, you know, the top of the depth chart. And then I would be number two in play by play. And so schedule wise with a guy who has a national broadcast schedule on two networks, we'll work around his time. I have one or two personal reasons, a college graduate from for my daughter, where it's going to be one day, I'm flexible. You know, I took this job. I, I'm going to keep my, my position, you know, albeit maybe lightened being in the weeds with perfect game, which kind of, I like that. I'm, I'm really excited to still be around the best young players in baseball. I think it's going to keep me sharp. Um, will we both be in those shoes in three years, Matt and I? I don't know. I mean, I don't, probably not. It's probably going to look different in three years, but we both plan on being there long term. And uh, so that's what's exciting to me. Now, as far as Jose and Gooby go, um, those are going to be your guys that are going to be your steady eddies. You know, Matt and I will, will split the games. And in the end, it'll probably end up being almost right down the middle. But those are the guys you'll come to count on. And those are the guys we'll come to count on. You know, if you think about it, like if I'm not there calling, I'll be watching. And if I go three days in a row where I'm not behind the microphone, I'll be watching reading. But I'll know those guys were there. And I think what excites me um, and it did working with Mark Grace, the former Chicago Cub, who was my analyst with the Diamondbacks. I think what excites me is being able to take the conversation deeper. Um, Victor played, right? He was able to lean on the fact that he played a little bit professionally like, like I did. And, you know, I, I look forward to listening to what Jose and, and Mark are talking about and asking um, deeper questions. Let's dive a little bit deeper. Let's understand what you mean. And there's a part of me that's new. I understand this. For even though I've been intimately around the game, college baseball, amateur baseball, I haven't been at this level since 2012. Boys, that's nine years, right? Mm -hmm. That's nine years that I've only watched the game like everybody else. And in some cases, you may be closer to the Angels than I was because you, you your passion was really high. So I really am going to ask at times some, some very youthful, very um, simplistic questions. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay to to bring fans that are newer fans, to bring fans that are, you know, learning this team for the first time, because there's a little bit of buzz around them right now. Um, let's welcome them in. Let's let's ask some questions that maybe they're asking, that maybe you're asking. So I, 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 think, I think sometimes when you do games for 30 years, unless you're Vin Scully, the legend, um, I think you can get in a rut, I think. And Matt brings the same thing. Like Matt spent, even though doing his thing, you know, it's a network desk, it's, it's, a rod on Sunday night baseball. It's different looks like 
the day-to-day doing it, both of us are, are out of practice a little bit. And I think that's a good thing because we're going to lean on our analysts a ton. And so um, that's how I envision it going. Look, Jose played, played at the highest level. Mark played at the highest level. Both those guys are optimistic while still holding on to credibility. That's that, that fine line that we talked about before. Um, but they're, they're, they're embracing the modernization of the game. And there are some great analysts out there that, that are uncommon. My father, my late father, who was such a great announcer, um, could never really come to that next level. And that's okay. He earned the right. He's in the Hall of Fame. But he never really came to that next step. And that's how he ended his career as an announcer. And that's okay because people warmly remembered him. Well, look, Jose and Mark are young guys, you know, in comparison to someone like that. And they're, they're a young thinking man's broadcaster. So, gosh, I plan on learning. I plan on going to school every night with you guys. I mean, you know, I plan on asking questions that you guys would want to ask and giving information that you would would want to would want to give. If you think about it, an announcer most every time, um, a, a true game caller, almost everything they give you, you can look up on the Internet. You can look up on the Internet. Um, so let's bring out the analysts because I don't know what it's like to hit against 98. I don't know what it's like to stand on the mound with people staring me down. Um, so let's bring those guys out. And I, and I know Matt has the same attitude. Uh, that sounds great. So um, obviously you've had a chance to see spring training going and we've sort of got a hashtag going like spring training doesn't matter and stuff like that. And we try and keep our enthusiasm curbed slightly, <laughs> but um, have you had a chance to see much of it so far and sort of what your initial thoughts? Cause um, we're at hundred mile an hour at the moment, me and Nick, we're, we're going 162 and I'm winning it all. So that's where we start. And then we come down by the second week of April. But at the moment, you, that's yeah. And if you hear our intro that Dave and I recorded before you came on, you'll see exactly <laughs> what we mean. It's mainly Shohei Atani hype, I've got to admit. Well, those are T-ball numbers, right? I don't know how much in the UK they play T-ball, but those are T-ball numbers. Like whatever 600, whatever, you know, half your hits are homers and doubles. Like that's a joke. I don't blame you for doing that. Honestly, my perspective, I'll be honest with you, Dave, is is I'm drinking from a fire hose right now. Like I can call a baseball game. I can sit down and comfortably call a baseball game. But it's guys like you that have me wanting to learn deeply quickly. This, again, just kind of happened while I'm still tying up other loose ends at my day job. So I'm drinking from a fire hose and learning as much as I can. Um, this team gets on base a bunch. I like that. This team obviously, you know, is doing good things with regard to, uh, you know, striking out batters, opposing batters. They're efficient. They're walking too many as pitchers, though. Um, so let's hope spring training can clean that up. Because if you if you find this unique look of a collection of twos and threes, which is really what the staff is, um, you know, you need them throwing strikes. Five walks per nine is not good enough. So what do we put into spring numbers? I don't know. How much do we think about it? You know, so hopefully their strike throws a little bit more because they're going to they're going to miss bats enough. I think I think the perception that this is a bunch of thumbers and soft fosters is the wrong perception. And, 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 and then on the flip side, to think that Shohei is going to give you 200 innings is also the wrong perception. Um, he has an amazing arm. I think if he's one of those uh, almost one of those openers like the Rays had for a couple of years where gosh, give me, give me two times through and then we'll evaluate where we're at. Because mm-hmm. if you give me two times through where you have just wrecked their head, almost like facing a good knuckleballer, I'm fine with that. The other guys, you know, you know, Kenning's going to miss bats. Quintana with his off-speed stuff is going to miss bats. Haney, you just hope he uses fewer pitches, is going to miss bats. So 
Um, yeah, that's the one thing that jumps out for me. They're killing the, they're killing the baseball. As I said, high on base and they're killing right-handed pitching. Their OPS is super high. So um, I, I just want everyone healthy. I, I think the guy who I pull for the most because I was around him when he was a baby, when he got to the big leagues um, was, is Justin Upton. I think he, he started last year and never got out of it. I remember when video and advanced metrics kind of started to be more of a thing in the clubhouse. He drank from a fire hose. And I think to his detriment, I think um, for a natural athlete, a true gifted, like God touched your body athlete, I think sometimes less is more. And I can remember him as a younger player, like taking on these things and thinking, Wait, why was there that swing on three and one? Is it because you read all the possibilities of what may happen? Um, so I'm excited. I, I'm thinking last year as a, as, a, as a mature man now and a father and a guy who's had a 300 plus home run career, probably kind of went through a little bit of that too. Like, okay, how can I get better faster? I got 40, 30, 20 games left. How do I get better faster? So I'm excited to see him play and play well as much as he can in his, what, the 33-year-old season. Um, he's probably the guy he, you know, you think about an X factor, he's a huge X factor for this team. Um, if he has a good year, not a great year, not an MVP year, he's gotten MVP votes in the past, but if he walks a little bit more, he's going to strike out a hundred. If he plays every day, it's, it's one thirty plus given, but, um, I just think Justin's a guy who I'm excited to see. It's funny. You mentioned Justin because. A, Dave and I have had a bit of disagreement on this one, and I've backed him for... Oh, good. A, I like that. I've backed him for a bounce-back year here. I was I was very pleased with what I saw down the stretch last year when he finally sort of broke out of that slump, although Dave's not as convinced. I think mainly for health reasons, in fairness. Mm-hmm. What you mentioned there I thought was really interesting and is exactly how I would see his game. Is It looks like he's trying too hard at times. When he's in a bad spell, it, 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 you're right. Those three-and-one pitches, which he swings through and should take the walk or doesn't just wants, you know, he knows he's athletic. He knows he's one of the best hitters of his time over the last decade or so. But then when it all clicks and he has these spells where everything is going right for him, you know, the swing is perfect. His eye is in, that's the Justin Upson we need. And he, he does seem to be streaky, but we know that if he's coming in at like six in the lineup this year, what a great person to have like in your middle, middle of your lineup, if he's healthy and if he's swinging a hot bat. I agree. Isn't, isn't baseball again, like I have, I've read about it and been a fan of it for the last, isn't baseball loaded with streaky players these days? I mean, aren't, aren't there more with the swing and miss and the, the commitment to power you would feel like you guys tell me, I mean, you would feel like there's, there's more streaky players than ever. It's that's why Mike Trout's so special because he brings the on base, he brings the slug and he brings the consistency. I mean, his, his down spells are a weak max and um so, yeah, I mean, I think he, you know, again, you're right. I mean, Dave, if, if it's health you're concerned about, yeah, we should be concerned about every guy for health when they get into the 30, 32, 33 season. Um, and there's a lot of muscle in that body. That's a very strong guy. So um, I just hope he's healthy. I hope he earns the right to play every day. Obviously, it's his job. I think I feel like Joe, obviously, Adele is the best played getting live pitching every day once they start up the minor leagues properly. Um, rather than being a last guy on the bench that can be a pure athlete for you. And I think that's going to happen. But gosh, they remind me of similar guys. I saw the one when he was 19, when he broke into the big leagues. I saw the other when he was in high school, Um, you know, and I saw the other get cut from the tournament of stars from team USA when he and Hunter Green were the same athlete, the same high school guy in Jordan Adele who could pitch 
and hit and do them both at a high level. I saw him get cut. And the cutting of the Tournament of Stars pushed him high into the draft the next year. I have a feeling the failures for Jordan, and you didn't ask me about Joe, but I have a feeling the failures of Adele last year are going to push him to to new heights this year. I really do. Well, I love that answer on on Adele. I think we've discussed this quite a few times as well and fully agree with you that he he needs that seasoning in AAA. He needs to be taken out of the firing line a bit this year. He came up too soon, but all the raw talent's there. It's not gone anywhere. You see him in spring. I mean, he's been working on things clearly. The walks are higher than the strikeouts. The power is, wow, the power. I mean, when he connects with a baseball, it just goes. So I think you're right. I mean, it is his job to come back up at some point. He's not going anywhere. He is going to be the Angels right fielder or left fielder, whatever it ends up being, uh, depending on how the outfield shakes up. But I I think we're excited for him, but also realizing that it's not time yet. Mm -mm. No, not yet. Not yet. It's funny, Perry Manassi, just a few minutes ago, was talking before I hopped on with you guys, and he was saying it kind of depends. I'd never heard it put this way. It depends where you are in the win cycle. I, I think this team hopes to be in the plus side, on the positive side of the win cycle this year. So, you know, I think a safer play is Dexter Fowler, right? That's why you bring in a guy like that. It's a safer play. If you're on the win cycle of a team that can put a guy out there and you maybe are going to lose 90-plus games, then let him get his at-bats in the big leagues every day and, and put that money in your pocket and save that money. But I don't think this team plans on being in that spot in the win cycle this year. That's right, that's right. So just moving on quickly. So me and Nick had a podcast last week with some of the other UK accounts for the AL West. And we put together our AL West dream team from all positions. And I've had had a disagreement with Nick, as usual. And then I've had continued my disagreement all week on the messages with him. So I wanted to ask you, once I heard you were coming on, so your second baseman in the AL West dream team, and it's one between two players. So you've got David Fletcher. He's the goat in waiting. He gets on base. He sets the table. He walks, doesn't strike out. He hits the ball over his head from three metres above him. Or you have this declining Jose Altuve. Who do you have? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys make it sound like Altuve is just the, uh, <laughs> well, the no, he's still- rope. He's, he's, it's, I love it. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I will reflect on what Joe, because uh, um, Fletch was a big, big, oh, there I did it. I promised I wouldn't do that. You know, baseball people are so big on the nickname thing. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder why we have to shorten names. And I just called him Fletch. So sorry, David, I apologize. I want to be more proper. I don't want to do the nickname thing. Um, but, but he was talking about David and saying, um, you know, it's hard to take you know, exit velocity and all the things that we now lean on and have them be important um, and to tie them to, to David Fletcher. And I think the point he was making and enjoyed making was he hits the ball just hard enough to land in front of the outfielders and he makes consistent and solid contact. And um, I love that. I, I love that, you know, that's kind of the approach of who he is. He's, you know, I know his family, I know his baseball journey, certainly where he came from in Southern California. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what's the fan supposed to say, right? I mean, the fan's supposed to say the the controversial thing, like, of course, I'll, I'll take Fletcher. He, you know, he didn't go through what we went through with trash cans a couple of years ago, right? I mean, that's what the fan is supposed to say. But uh, I'll take either one of those guys right now. If you tell me that, that uh, Altuve is my second baseman for the Angels, I'd be happy with that, too. I, I would not turn that away at any point. Um, he's one hell of a baseball player. He had a, he had a rare down year last year. I like the debate, though. 
I, I like the debate. I will not take a side at this point, except for the side that pays my checks. How's that? Excellent. That's, that's fair. That's Keep fair. debating. Don't stop debating. I like the debating better than the solution. I mean, you sort of answered the question. I was unable to put Fletch in above Altuve. Altuve's track record, I know he had a down year last year. It's still very hard to, uh, as much as I love Fletcher, don't get me wrong, he's one of my favorite baseball players, probably ever, actually. Uh, I still That's a big statement right there. That's a wow. I'd say he's probably, he's definitely in the top 10. Definitely in the top 10. I don't know if he's in the top five yet, but he's not far off. A few more seasons playing the way he's playing. And also, he's just such a Joe Madden ball player, isn't he? Mm -hmm. You just see it. I I bet Joe is so excited to have someone like Fletcher at the top of his lineup. Just does everything Mm -hmm. he wants to do with the small ball. And uh, we're excited by him. I know we're excited by this team, as we told you earlier. It's really hard not to. We're trying not to get sucked in again because it's been a pretty... A pretty bad few years, all being said. But we, we're yeah, but don't 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 you feel like this year? And again, this could be me. You know, Matt Vesgersen and I texted back and forth while we were on Zoom with everybody else talking to Joe Madden. And I and I and I'll read it to you. I texted him something super simple, you know, and and it just says the following, um, dude. I put a dude. I'm so excited to start this thing. And he said, Yeah, man, you and I are fortunate. We fell into something really good. Mm-hmm. And so. Right. I mean, no one knew that we said that no one was listening or watching and no bosses were, were monitoring what we were saying. I mean, that's genuine communication between the two of us, um, just the two of us. Right. And so I, I really feel like now it's not anymore, but I, I do feel like it's OK to buy in with this team a little bit, get sucked in a little bit, because uh, in a year in which others have come back to the pack, this team with Perry's infusion of the way he has chosen to build, rebuild the bullpen almost from the ground up and put dependable starters in there. Again, not, not, you know, in 25, $30 million a year starters, but dependable starters in there. I think you should be sucked in a little bit. Oh, we, we certainly have been. We certainly have been so far. So an, another guest that we had on previously actually was um, Josh Kerry as well. So, um, broadcaster for the trash pandas so yeah. one of the questions we asked him was um for any sort of aspiring podcasters what advice would you would you give do you have to get into this sort of position well what a great question and uh i loved his his father he was his father was a, a big mentor of my father's and mine um and skip had a wry sense of humor like it was nobody's business oh my goodness what a great edge he had as a broadcaster um I think what I always say to anybody who wants to do this is write a lot. I mean, write a lot. Um, always write, especially if you're younger and you have the time or, the, or where you can earn credits for it or you can take the time to write. Because essentially what you're doing um, when you're calling a game or hosting a show is you're verbally writing, you're creating, you're taking the facts in front of you and putting them into a sandwich that can be eaten and, and it's palatable. And so I always, I always tell young people to write a lot. I did that all the time. I mean, I played college baseball, minor league baseball, but I was always writing. And then the other thing is, this is what's great about this generation of communicator. Um, there's a million more aspects, but the advice still stays the same in, in the 90s, 2000s, 2020s. Um, get in front of a microphone whenever you can. And for younger announcers, that sounds, sounds simple-minded, but even if you can, if you're in college, like if there's someone who's studying it uh, at a university, um, go and offer yourself to introduce the basketball team. Well, my basketball team's too good. They have a pro. Okay, well, go ask about the volleyball team. 
go ask about the soccer team, go see if you could speak at a board of directors meeting at your university and just introduce the speakers, get in front of a microphone whenever you can. This way is good too, um, all the time, but also do it when there are human beings looking you in the face. Um, that's the other way to do it. So write a lot, speak a lot whenever you can. And then the, the, what feeds that is to read a lot. But I think we all know, no matter what we're doing in life, you have to consume information and knowledge or you get left behind. So those, those are, those are my, uh, the, my piece of advice. And, and for interviewers out there, of which you guys do a really good job, um, listen to your guests. I think a lot of young announcers um, or interviewers you know, have their, their scripted list of questions and they're, they're, they're not looking at you, right? And so they have this and they don't do this. And I think, I think, I think that's easier said than done. Because if you're going to have someone on, if, hey, look, I'm going to go through it this year when I get a chance to sit down with fill in the blank, where again, at 51, my heart's going to go pitter pat, but I need to listen to what they're saying. I need to listen to what they're saying. So those are my advices. Those are my bits of advice for broadcasters. No, that's great. And I think when you couple that as well, with the advice that Josh said, Josh was talking about passion, having passion for when you're in the moment, because um, it'll come across if it's not. No, I agree. And it's got to be genuine. Don't manufacture it because we'll, we won't believe it. Um, and, and, and it won't. I mean, I, I, I'm about to step back onto the other side. But again, I've been on your side for nine years now. I've, I've had, you know, I've had the Netflix. I've had the remote in my hand and I can switch to Netflix anytime I want when I'm watching a baseball game. And I keep that in mind coming back onto the other side of, of am I just saying things to say things because they were in the game notes? Or am I just saying things to say things because I need to fill airtime with a bunch of nothing? Um, sometimes, A, sometimes silence is fine when you have now fans in the stands. And B, sometimes, you know, let's, let's, let's shoot for something original. And I'll walk out on that line sometimes, and I've gotten in trouble in the past. I'll walk out on that line sometimes and, 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 and understand that it's, it's about entertainment too. We're not doing brain surgery. We're not exercising demons um it's uh it's a baseball game and we all work you know all when i was a viewer i worked very hard you work very hard i do understand that it's it's entertainment as well it's quite funny you uh you made a comment in your remarks there about listening to who you're interviewing and and, and not just reading off a script because i thought dave was probably pulling out the very little hair he has at the moment uh as we got into the intro there because the more you the more you said, the more questions I was firing at you, which were not on the script we'd we'd planned in in advance of this interview. But, so it's good to hear that that's the approach to to take. And uh, I always find that I think we try to do that with our with our guests. We we just want to hear from you. We want to hear you know it's real uh, it, and conversation flows, doesn't it, in a natural way, uh, which you don't get if you're you're right. You're reading a list. You've got question after question, which don't sometimes fit in the order you want them to fit uh, and I like the fact you said you're going to be learning this again this year going back to it uh, and, and all of these sorts of things I mean you can just tell the the excitement um going back to the booth and going back to basics basically and starting again almost yeah there's no doubt absolutely it, it is exciting it, it, we all you know look I I was envious of Joe Madden that he got a second act um, and now I'd, I'd tell my wife all the time, I'd love to have that opportunity. Well, guess what? Here it is. Go enjoy your second act and, and, and bust your butt and enjoy it and smile and laugh and, and um, take it in. Look out and see the ballpark and do it more than you ever did before. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's cool. And I think for me, you know, as far as the interviewing goes, I think one of the biggest blessings that I've had is as weird as it sounds. And it started with guys like Joe Adele and before, but we also have radio content, audio content on Sirius XM here where, you know, every single week, and this is going to continue. I'm interviewing the top prep players or college players in the country, and I'm not seeing them. And sometimes when you take a 17 year old, you can cynically say, well, what do they have to say? Uh, it turns out a lot and it turns out a ton and the future of the game is in good hands. So I've really loved on the interview side, look, I'm hosting a show tomorrow and I have all kinds of notes for, you know, the interview tomorrow. Um, but I look forward to hearing where they go. They're going to talk about the faith. Let's talk about your faith. Are you going to talk about having a single mom? Let's talk about that. You can talk about your swing and how, you know, you were hitting off a tee during the pandemic and your hands went from here to here. Well, let's talk about that. So um, I plan on doing a lot of the same stuff, though. They're, they may be big leaguers, but they're still humans. and They still have journeys and they still have hopes, dreams, fears, kids, you know, remarriages, life. They, so I, I plan on getting into all that and really diving deep into the technique of the game, too. You know, did, I think advanced metrics have their place and they will have their place in our broadcast. But I think then you take a player um and, and have them humanize it for you a little bit like jose can you know what do all these advanced metrics mean if i'm talking about weighted on base average and i'm throwing in some launch angle and i'm talking about barrels and i all of a sudden the casual fans head is spinning they're done they're they're going to netflix it's jose humanized for me that means you're hitting it hard that means you're seeing it well that means you have good on his release point out there you have a place where you're comfortable in the box that means your foot's getting down on time aha there we go thank you so i plan on doing a little bit of both because i don't want to lose that that man or woman that can go to netflix i don't want to lose them <laughs> that i think what you said about the advanced metrics is actually something the angels do very well mm -hmm. all through the organization from joe madden i think it really starts with who has never lost his love for for old school baseball but hasn't hasn't totally dismissed you know the advanced metrics and knows the need to 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 use them and and to develop in the game of baseball and i think you can see what from what you're saying there from gooby and jose it does sort of feed through from from the uh through the organization so that's great the other question i had on on this point and slightly different and it may be because twitter didn't really exist at the time we last had a proper broadcasting change. But how, how does it feel, the excitement when you and Matty V were announced? And I think it, it just rippled through the fan base. I'm sure you were getting so many positive messages. And I don't think I've ever quite seen a, a broadcast team get such a response uh, to a hiring. Yeah, it's humbling. It's super humbling. Um, you know, that part, um, uh, you know, it is social media and you realize that same wave can turn into an undertow quickly. You respect that. But um, so you don't let it define you. But yet you, you're grateful. You're humbled by it. And that folks want to talk baseball like you guys. That's awesome. Like, I, it really excites me. Um, but as far as the opportunity to do it and, you know, to, to find out, I, I just called a game in the snow at Utah State College Basketball and uh, for Fox One, and, and I found out, and then they, they had reached out to me and said, hey, you're one of the two guys. Um, let's have a meeting, and then we ended up having a meeting over Zoom, uh, you know, with the folks with what's going to become Bally's Sports, but Fox Sports West, and um, it didn't seem real to me, quite frankly, 
And uh, I had a feeling, you know, I was telling my buddies today that, ah, you're going for the Angels job. I think I'm going to try, but I think I, I have a gut feeling Matty Vesgersian is going to chase it. And if he's going to chase it, he's going to get it. And I said the same thing about, you know, Lenny in, in with the White Sox and Boog with the Cubs. I was kind of right. The one thing I didn't predict was me being in that mix. Um, so when they said there was someone else, they, they couldn't tell me initially, which I understand. But then I, I had a feeling it was Matt and was thrilled to find out, not that I'm a good broadcast guesser, but that it was Matt and that I would get to share um, the platform with him and that we would have on a night in, night out basis, the responsibility. Um, yeah, I'm humbled by the by the messages and by the by the excitement. I think that's more reflective to the team, though, and where they're at right now. I, I'm hoping people just feel like, we got a couple of decent human beings who one is a highest of level, like could actually step in and host the Jimmy Kimmel show right now. I've always said that about Matt. He could, he could have a late night show on any major network or any major platform and do really well at it. He's that level of talent. And, you know, hopefully they feel my energy and local flavor and feel for the game. And um, between the two of us, I think we're a nice mix. So, but I'm humbled by it because it's about the players. It's, it's about the, you know, even the manager and the general manager won't play a single inning. And certainly Matt and I won't play even close to a single inning. We'll be up there. And when we get in our car, we win. Like, we don't ever lose a game. Joe and Perry feel that a little bit more even than we will. But, um, yeah, it's, I'm glad people are excited. I'm glad people are excited about this season. I think it's representative of that. And they liked Victor a lot, and they should have. I liked Victor a lot. And I think um, when they took a lot of deliberate time to make this decision, um, I think it created a little bit of anticipation. I don't think they did it on purpose, but I think that anticipation, once the names were released, uh, I think folks are just excited to hear, we will have announcers. We're glad that, okay, okay, we're okay with these guys. They're okay, but thank goodness we will. We were getting concerned at this point. Um, although I will, I will end this answer with this. What Jose Moda has done this spring and working with Mark Gubaza, if they wouldn't have hired announcers, they'd be just fine because that man can call a game and his wisdom and his knowledge. So he is going to be such an asset sitting right by the two of us um, as a third color analyst. Uh, I, I completely agree with that. I remember actually texting Nick. So before the announcement came out about yourself and also Matt, I, um, I said, Jose and Gooby, if it was just those two together, you know, th they'll be more than fine. It'll be more than worth waking up for sort of thing for yeah. us. But then when yourself and Matt came along in the mix, it was, well, this is even better now. So, but we love Victor and listened to him for years and years for our entire Angels show. So one of the funny things from Victor last year was a memorable, funny mistake that he made. So um, you may or may not remember. So when we introduced the double headers for last year, um, Victor called off a walk-off home run for the Angels in the seventh, but it was actually the other half of the inning. So it was at the top <laughs> of the inning instead of it being the bottom of the inning. Quite funny, actually. But, you know, ever the professional carried on and the show carried on sort of thing. But in your career, and it doesn't have to be from uh, the baseball scene, from anything else that you've done. Any memorable or funny mistakes that you've, you've sort of made and you can recollect on? Gosh, I try to, I try to, you guys, you know, I know you, I, someone was nice enough to have me on recently and I, I try to give exclusive stories, but this one is just too good to not share with you because everyone listens to different things. Um, and it happened as an angel. It happened as an angel announcer. And it was, so it would have been, and let's say for the sake of the story, 2001. Um, and Troy Gloss, amazing. Like he hit a billion homers and after he hit a billion, he became the all time leader for home runs as a third baseman. Um, 
and it was great. It was at what was the newer Comiskey Park. They still haven't really fixed it up. What, what the, you know, it's got what, whatever it's called now, Ameritrade, whatever it's called. The White Sox home ballpark. Uh, I'm working with Mario Pemba back then, who was my mentor and still one of my best friends to this day. And there it goes. And it sails out. And there it goes. It's going. And Troy Gloss is homered. Oh, my gosh. He has just hit a home run to move him on the all-time home run list for third baseman passing Mike Schmidt. But I didn't put the M in there. And I just said the other thing minus the M. Now, I clearly said it. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I clearly said, as I would say to my kids, the S word as clear as a bell during that iconic historic moment. And I was so thankful that our TV guys were there and there was another call for it. I lost Mario for a half inning. He was done. He was on the ground. But I called Troy Gloss passing Mike S-word. And uh, clear as a bell, I did it. Clear as a bell, I said it. That uh, make no bones about it. I've done a lot of bonehead things. You give anyone, you know, what is the number? 300 hours a year, they're going to get themselves in trouble. And I have. But this was one of my, my biggest bonehead mistakes. That's fantastic. Is that anywhere on the internet? Is there any way we can track that down? I wish you could. Please go look for it. You know who I would, ch- you know who I'll check with, and I don't know if he kept every game. My dear friend, and now he's the producer for the um, uh, the Giants, Darren Chen, who was my producer back then. DC, we all call him. He's, he works with those, you know, Crook and Kipe and Miller now, legendary team. Um, maybe he knows where that lives. Maybe he knows where that lives. Let's try and find it. Let's bring it back. I'd love to find it. I'd love yeah. to find it because then a recorded version of me will be saying it and no one will ever hold it against me if I ever <laughs> say it in the recorded version. It's a word we all say all the time, but I'm not about to say it on any recorded content. I, but I did that day. So that's, that's one that stands out to me. I mean, I've made lots of mistakes. I mean, and I will make more mistakes. You know, the great thing about TV and Victor can attest to this. Um, if you make a mistake, the rest of you guys can see what's actually going on. So uh, radio, certainly you don't want to miss call left to right. It's okay if you say the S word instead of the legendary Hall of Fame third base because people know what you meant. So, um, but that's the one that always comes to mind. That's one of my favorite foot in mouth moments. Um, yeah, I think that's what, definitely one of my favorites. That's, that's one of my favorite stories. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that. Uh, the UK, so we touched on it earlier with your, uh, with your family. How much did you know before we got in touch that there was a baseball following in the UK and an Angels following in the UK? Uh, have you ever been over here before? Uh, and just what are your thoughts on growing the game? So growing, I'll go with your last part of it. I think, I think my pleasure and joy in being with Perfect Game the last since 2016 are their efforts to do just that. Um, not only is it the, the springboard for the top players in the country, but we see 20,000 amateur teams a year. So, um, you know, the pandemic cost us a lot. And content-wise, it cost me selfishly a lot. There was a lot of Europe I was going to see in 2020 at baseball events for youth and for amateurs um, in the UK, uh, over to the Czech Republic, um, in different places around that hopefully will kick back up. My summers are busier now, but I hope perfect game grows over there on the amateur side. Um, super excited about growing the game. I mean, uh, that's kind of in my other day job, my stated goal, and I mean that, is, is to grow the game and, and the passion for the game. I've never been to the UK, would love, love to take a trip. I, like everyone else, have consumed hundreds of hours of content, so I think I've been to your great place 
but I've never come close and I, and I would love to, um, you know, take a visit, you know, see and discuss baseball over there, um, find places to enjoy pints and tell stories. And, um, there's a passion for sport over there, um, that I think is different. Um, I think is harder to understand here in the States. I think college sports doesn't have the impact that it does uh, here, there, but then I also understand, you know, how important life on the pitch is over there. And um, so anyway, I, I'd love to come and visit. I'd love to, to, to see baseball through the eyes of you and your colleagues. Absolutely. And we'd absolutely love to have you over and host you over here for a, for a few pints and some stories. So please do try and get over here when you can. Yeah, nice job tonight, by the way. It's late and you guys have stayed away from the pints to record this. That had to be hard. <laughs> and I'm not even assuming that you drink pints, but I just you say did. that. That's, you, that's you probably to. not right of me to say, but uh, and it's a tough decision. And I know like I've done shows. I've been on shows. I used to go to New York and there's a station there called NY1. And they say, hey, can you come on and talk about the Angels, the Diamondbacks, whoever you're with? And come on at NY1. We'll have you on at midnight. Midnight? Okay. Well, so just sit around all night. So I appreciate you sitting around all night. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. Yeah, we, we get used to this, and this is still early for us. Don't forget. I got it. Angels home games start at 3 a.m. for us. So <laughs> we're used to the, uh, the middle of the nights and the, the recording then. It was funny, actually, you made a point then about the difference between the UK and the US in terms of fandom and sports generally. And actually, I was listening to a podcast last night, completely different sport, but with Doug Baldwin, the former uh, wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. And whilst it was still the same sport, they obviously Seahawks came over to the UK to play at Wembley Stadium. He said he'd seen like the Premier League on on TV and he'd, he'd felt the, the difference, but didn't really understand it until he got into Wembley Stadium. And even though it was British people supporting the NFL and American football, he just said the energy and, and it, he finally got a, a sense and a taste of what it was like to follow sports over here. Uh, and it's just interesting you pick up on that. And it's something I'd say we're quite proud of. I mean, it's a huge sporting nation. And as you can tell by Dave and I wanting to stay up till 3 a.m. To, to watch the Angels and talk to you at 20 past 11 on a Wednesday night. I mean, it, it's a passion and we love it. And we're just so appreciative that you've given us the time as well. Uh, and, and, and we can have a bit of reciprocal back and forth with it. I love it, man. I, this has been fun. And just remember, I'll never solve any debates because I love debates that go on. Unless one of you is truly wrong, then, then, then I will. Um, but uh, don't be strangers either. I mean, I, I, you know, make me stay up. You guys get up one morning and make me stay up late one night after, after either the saddest or happiest moment of the year. Holler at me and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll jump on because there's going to be some nights when I'm just solo out there in California. And, um, I'll be glad to talk some baseball with you guys. Let's keep this as an ongoing relationship. We'll absolutely we would love that and we will do very very final one then from you just give us a prediction for the year give me the angels record are we going to make the postseason now they're going to be playing meaningful games all year long and i think for this team um i think that's where you want to start when you've gone for so long i mean you have kids going to preschool now that don't know what an angels playoff looks like with mom and dad and so um, they're going to be playing meaningful games. I think it's it, like anything else is going to come down to the pitching. All this stuff is obvious stuff, by the way. It's stuff that you guys all know. And I may have deeper after I watch games and call the freeway series in the first opening week. I may have some different thoughts. But, um, you know, everyone's come back to the pack a little bit. I, I love who they've added to the team. Health is everything. But 
I think the concept of, you know, oh gosh, it's August and we're playing out the string again, get Jordan Adele up here right now. You know, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, so my prediction is that, you know, there is a playoff spot for them. I don't know that they'll win the division, but uh, I think they'll get an opportunity to play in the postseason, be in a pennant race. Um, I think my hope is that with regard to safety, maybe by the time that happens, we can go to 50 or 60 percent capacity and you'll actually because, quite frankly, 11,000 fans is going to sound like a lot compared to a bunch of cardboard people. Um, you know, it really, really is. I, I didn't realize that until I called a whole season's worth of college basketball on television and uh, had a bunch of cardboard people in different campuses until I finally called a game. Ironically enough, the night I found out I got this job um, with 1,500 people in the stands, and it sounded like 15,000. So we've gone through the crazy, weird, odd year. We're still going through it in 21. So I think more than anything, what excites me is to be sitting or Matt be sitting behind the microphone in August and to hear 25,000 people. We all want 50 or 45, whatever the, the yard holds. I don't think we'll get there this year, but I think there's going to be games that people are going to scalp tickets to and, and be selling resale on the resale market because there'll be meaningful games all year long. I mean, that's all we want. I mean, fans in the stands. Me too. And you mentioned college basketball there. So a very, very final one. March Madness, who's your tip? Oh, gosh. I'm not good at this. So it's funny because I called from the Mountain West and from the Pack, And so those are my two conferences. And the, the, the team that I saw the most, Arizona, didn't play nice. So they're not allowed to even play in the postseason because they were naughty. And, um, <laughs> you know, the teams that I liked, Boise State and Utah State and all those teams from the Mountain West aren't going to win it. So I think Gonzaga, I'm going to go with a, a mid-major who I love. You know, I've, I've been around Wisconsin-Milwaukee and I've been around Butler when they were a mid-major and called games as the second passion, certainly, um, on the college basketball side. So um, I'll go for a mid-major like Gonzaga, though, you know, they're as much of a mid-major as the Yankees are a mid-major baseball team these days. So they've got it figured out. They have the envy over here. They're the envy of you know, you got the Grand Canyon universities who, you know, hope that they can be that mid-major and it's just, they've set the standard. So let's, let's run with them and let's, uh, let's see what happens with them. I must admit, you asked me kind of like, like we all have those times when we have those dreams, nightmares, where we're having to give a speech in front of a class and our, our pants are down at our ankles and we're humiliated because we don't know what's going on. That's where I'm at with college basketball because I was a voice all winter long. But since this gig came along, I don't even know that it's a sport anymore. Like, I am so trying to get caught up while still interviewing and communicating with the top prospects. Like, it's angels, 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 angels. And now it's a little bit of the White Sox because they were first and a little bit of the next team. So um, that's my prediction with no intelligence, no preparation. And please don't <laughs> ever take any of what I say about that to the bank because at this point, I have no freaking clue. Well, there we go. You heard it here first. Darren, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We've loved having you on and really appreciated your time. And we hope we can stay in touch. And obviously, as you said, we can jump on again and maybe even after an Angels game sometime. But thank you and good luck for the year ahead. Peace. Thanks for having me on, guys. That was our chat with one of the Angels' new play-by-play -play announcers, Darren Sutton. And what a phenomenal bloke. I mean... I've had some, we've had some good chats on this show so far, Dave, haven't we? But that one has got to be up there with the very best. I, I don't know. You can hear him. I'm just buzzing. I mean, I, I think he's, what a great guy.
speechless just absolutely speechless a great guy to give us so much time so much of his time as well when he's busy with everything that's going on so uh, yeah no and if we weren't excited enough for angels baseball i think darren's just brought it up another <laughs> level hasn't he like we thought we were optimistic but i can just tell darren's just itching to get back into it and back into the into the booth speaking of um passionate fans though dave i, I mentioned this to you previously but i thought i, I really wanted to read this out on the podcast because i got a nice email the other day from a local in california I just want to read this email out to you. And it's kind of why we do this. I know we try to connect with fans in the UK and bring Angels fans here together, but we do love that interaction and connection we have with our brothers and sisters over in the halo world of Southern California. So this is just the email I got. Hi, Nick. My name is Kyle Wilson. I'm an OC native and lifelong diehard Angels fan. I've recently discovered your Twitter and podcast. Love what you're doing. So cool to see our halos having traction and fandom internationally. Not sure if this is something you care about. I do. But I have a little story I thought was worth sharing, given your fandom and what you do. My mum and grandparents are from London and immigrated to Orange County in the 60s. My grandpa, Daniel Levy, grew up a huge Arsenal fan, as well as a cricket fan. Nobody's perfect, by the way. When he came to the States, he couldn't get into football or basketball, but immediately took to baseball and the Angels due to familiarity. Uh, familiarity with cricket and the slight similarities baseball shared with it. Anyway, my grandpa was a massive Angels fan for the rest of his life after he moved to SoCal. He loved the Halos and loved keeping up with them and talking to my dad and I about the games and of course loved going to the Big A. One of his favourite memories of seeing us win the pennant at the 2002 ALCS Game 5 with my dad and my other grandpa. He kept his thunder sticks for the rest of his life. Unfortunately, my grandpa passed away in 2018 but he lived a great life had a great family, loved Southern California, and loved the halo. So here's to David Levy, one of the original UK Angels fans from 1965 to 2018. And then he sent me a picture of him rocking his gear in the 80s. Look at that. If you can see it, you can't see it, but there he is. Oh, look at that. But what a story, eh? I mean, it just warms my heart that day. I was having a bad day at work and it just sort of, it's like, it's why we do what we do. So thanks, Carl, for your email. And Anyone that's listening, if they have similar stories or anything they want to share with us, my emails, my DMs, tweets, whatever, everything's always open and we absolutely love hearing from you. So thanks very much. But we've probably taken up enough of your time now. So I will bid you adieu. Dave, thanks so much. Hope you've had an enjoyable pod today like I have. I loved it. Loved every second. Yeah, and I will... uh, Speak to you soon. Thanks all. Thanks for listening as usual. And please do subscribe, rate, like, tweet, whatever. We love it.